Hi, welcome to Financial Plan and Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner, owner and founder of Menninger and Associates Financial Planning. Um, I'm continuing on with the case study ideas. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. I mean, what happens here is, you know, I should get my disclosure out. This isn't actually a real, true, honest to goodness case study because what it really is, is, you know, sometimes what happens is that a client may come in and comes up with a question or whatever, and I take that and I say, well, that kind of ties into another, you know, potential real life scenario, which ties into it. And I just pull all this stuff together and say, hey, let's make a case study out of this because of the fact that what it does is, excuse me, guys, I'm going to fix my microphone here. I'm good. And so what it does is it kind of provides an opportunity for us to pull in, um, you know, different things that occur in the world of financial planning. Um, so if you look at financial planning, it covers six different areas. You've got cash management, you've got the tax planning, you've got the risk management, which is insurance planning, you've got investment planning, you've got retirement planning, and you've got estate planning. And all of these areas are integrated. So when one person asks me about one particular question, I am just because of the fact that I'm so detail oriented, you know, I can't answer that question until I have the answers to a handful of other questions. So what I have a propensity to do is get dive deep into all kinds of different things when it wasn't even the question at hand. And my goodness, I run into this all the time. Um, you know, someone asked me, hey, I want to put money into a 529 plan for my uh, child. And I'm like, okay. And I talk about everything else there is that's going on in their financial life. And I uncover and discover some major issues where suddenly the college education planning became a, almost not a moot point, but holy smokes, it's like, it's not important anymore because I uncovered all kinds of other things. I'm notorious for that. Um, so in this particular instance, I had, my microphone keeps falling off on me, but in this particular instance, I had a uh, client who asked, hey Mike, what do you think about me collecting Social Security? I'm like, all right. I said, well, let's think about this for a minute. And so I took it to the next level. Um, here's some of the information about this particular individual, okay? So it's Fred and Wilma, the Flintstones. How about that? I wonder who created that one. Anyway, so Wilma's the one who's asking me this question. She's like, you know, I'm turning 62 in a few months. Do you think I should collect Social Security? I said, all right. That was the basis for what turned out to be a two and a half hour meeting where we left the meeting not knowing whether or not we're collecting Social Security and they had to go back to the drawing board on a whole lot of other things because I raised a ton of issues. However, it all started with this and I'll give you the base facts of this particular case, okay? Uh, you got Fred and Wilma, you know, Wilma is 61, soon to be 62, Fred's 59. 
Um, they owned a business and they recently sold the business um, to the next generation. And so the way they handled the, the, the thing, the, the, the sale, is they said, all right, well, you, we want you to pay us a salary for uh, 10 years and you know, rent on the building. I'm like, okay, that, that'll be their payment for the, for the, for the business. I said, okay, so this is the facts of the case. Now, so when Wilma asks if she, if she should collect Social Security at age 62 and she's first eligible, I said, well, you can, but here's the problem is the problem is is that once you begin collecting Social Security prior to your full retirement age, and Wilma's full retirement age is age 67, she wants to collect it at age 62. I'm like, all right, well, herein lies the problem. You can begin to collect it at age 62, and quite frankly, uh, you know, I am sort of outside the vein of folks who say collect it as soon as possible. And the reason why I say that is because if you take a person who collects it at age 62, what happens is that they get a 30% reduction in the amount of Social Security that they receive. So for instance, if they were to have earned $2,000 at age 67, a 30% reduction, 30% of $2,600, they're only going to earn $1,400 a month. Well, fact of the matter is, is that they're also earning $1,400 a month for five years, okay? And over that five years, they're gonna actually bring in $84,000. So should they wait? Well, I'm a fan of the break even is if they earn zero on their money. Well, who's gonna receive their $1,400 and invest it? Probably no one. That's why they're taking the money. I said, but wait a minute. If it means that they're taking 1400 less out of an investment or retirement account, then basically it means it is invested, isn't it? And if they were to earn five or 6% on those investments instead of drawing it, their break-even age suddenly becomes out into their 90s. And they're like, well, wait, oh, I could have lived till last. So there you go. You just answered your own question. So. They decided, all right, well, we want to do it. I said, all right, well, that's the good news. I said, but the bad news is that you're making $30,000 a year. So here's the problem that you have, is if you're earning more than $1,630 a month, which also equates to $19,560 a year, you're going to lose some of your Social Security. So what's the rules there? For every $2, you lose 50%, basically. So for every $2 you go over, you lose a dollar. So let's use round numbers. So let's say she's earning 30 grand a year and she's only allowed to earn 20. She blows through by $10,000 a year, which means she loses half of that in her social security. And the rules how it is, is that they're gonna withhold that $5,000 from your payments next year until you come up with that $5,000 and then you pick it up. So if she's earned $1,400 a month, she's not getting her first payment until the fourth month of the year. Okay, well, I said, what type of flexibility do you have in receiving your income? She says, well, I got flexibility. I said, all right. I said, uh, so then 
you willing to, to reduce your salary to $19,560 or, or $1,630 a month? She goes, yeah, but you know, what do I do? I said, well, I said, what about Fred? I said, you know, ultimately by the sound of what you're doing is that you're just creating an income stream for the sake of the payback for the business that you passed on to the next generation. She goes, yeah. I said, well then, why don't you take the shortage of yours and give it to Fred? Huh, how about that? She says, I could do that. I'm like, then go do it. I said, this way, you're still earning under the Social Security earnings limit of $19,560 so that you're taking your Social Security benefit and not losing any of it. And I said, then Fred, what he could do, I said, he takes on that extra 10,400, whatever that number is, 10,440. You know, and so he's earning the 30 plus the 10,000. Doesn't matter, you're married, the money's going to the same pot. She says, yeah, you know what, we could do that. I said, cool. I said, but you're gonna have a little problem. What happens when Fred turns 62? She says, oh yeah. I said, you're not full retirement age yet. She says, no. I said, right. I said, so what's gonna have to happen here is you can't shift the income to him anymore and he's gonna be in the same boat. I said, what are the chances that you can defer the income until after you turn full retirement age, age 67, or actually in the year you turn full retirement age, instead of it being 19,000, you can make like 50,000. And she says, wow, okay, that's an idea. She says, actually, you know what, I got another idea. Uh, you know, rather than them paying me in $30,000 a year, why don't we just raise the rent? I mean, she came up with that idea with me. I'm like, go for it. And I said, not only that, but you're not subject to wage tax on that extra money that they're pushing over to rent. So the long and short of it is that we developed a solution for should I collect Social Security? Of course, I wasn't done with them yet because I know their financial situation. I said, you're aware of the fact that your IRA is going to kill you. You know, you've got a pretty substantive amount of IRAs here. I said, um, are you aware of the rules that occurred effective 2020? I said, if you and Fred, whatever order it turns into being, you die, you pass all that money, that's going to your kids. And you've got two boys, and now all of a sudden they're going to find themselves having to collect that money within 10 years at the same time that they're managing their own business you're going to be taking that money and having it absolutely killing their tax. So all those years that you were contributing to your 401k and you were getting a tax deduction, you're going to find that that money is going to come back out and potentially get taxed at a substantially higher amount. So you need to be thinking really hard right now about having some of your money and taking it out now and converting it from IRA to Roth IRA. I said, by doing so, between the two of you, I said, you know, you got the low brackets, the medium tax brackets, and the high tax brackets. You know, you make under $110,000, and you're in a low tax bracket. 
the medium tax brackets from about 110, by the way, these are round numbers, okay, this is sort of roughly adjusted gross income, round numbers, okay? So you can earn up to 360,000 before you break into the higher income tax bracket. I said, you know, by the time you take your, your, your wage income and even your social security, which now becomes taxable because you have other income, I said, you're only at about 100 grand. I said, you need to be getting that money out of that IRA in a hurry. The tune of $260,000 a year, get that out of there. I said, otherwise, it's going to become a burden to you because if you don't need the money now and all of a sudden you allow that to grow until you turn age 72, now all of a sudden your IRAs will have grown 10 to 13 or 10 to, 14, 10 to 13 years you know, your couple million dollars in IRA are stand to be $4 million in IRAs, and your required minimum distributions are going to destroy you then. Not to mention, who only knows what the tax brackets are going to be 10 years from now? Because we're currently in the lowest income tax bracket structure that we've been in in over 100 years. And given all of the debt that we are accumulating in the United States, the way to pay off our national debt is to raise taxes because quite frankly we're not you know our government's not living on a balanced budget you know it, it this is pre-covid that the government was spending 4.6 trillion dollars a year and bringing in 3.6 trillion dollars a year it brings its money in through tax revenue it's got to make up that difference or else it's basically creating more debt so the tax brackets have got to go up so here's your opportunity to try to get that money out and so, like, wow. And so, so then we talked about a lot of different things, and, and I think that they're going to be in a position where they don't actually have um, uh, a, a problem with income need during the course of their lifetime. So the question was, obviously, do I collect, the, you know, again, here we go. The question they asked me was, how, you know, can I take it? early and I'm like yeah you know what you could take it early um, but those are all the ramifications we came up with that solution but of course me being the way I am I opened up that new can of worms about their IRAs and then all of a sudden they threw a new bombshell on me and said uh, we may be getting a couple inheritances I said oh really okay we're gonna talk about that when I come back from break so stay tuned for a moment as we take this short commercial break. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Plan and Explained, and I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner. 
So we'll continue on with the case study. We kind of answered a simple question, but unfortunately created a whole bunch of other problems, if you will, when, when they asked me another question and threw a couple extra things into the loop. So, you know, starts with, should I take Social Security at age 62 and look where it turned into? We, we developed the solution whereby, you know, they were able to, you know, uh, work a deal with the buyers of their business to restructure their payout for the business, enabling each of them to begin drawing Social Security at their early age and then shifting the income back once they hit full retirement age. So the question that came up after that, it's like, well, then we led into, you know, what are you going to do with the rest of your wealth in a manner with which, and this ties in once again, you got retirement planning, you know, all the different areas of financial planning, you got the retirement planning, but now we got the tax planning, and now we're talking about estate planning because we're kind of talking about their estate planning because I brought that up. I said, hey, I said, are you aware that you should be considering not sticking your two children with all this IRA money? You need to really be thinking about converting IRA to Roth. And oh, by the way, you may want to consider rather than leaving your spouse as the direct beneficiary of your IRAs, what that's going to do is accumulate all of the IRA money to be distributed at once to your children. I said, you might want to actually consider naming your children as the beneficiary now and even potentially naming grandchildren. So they said, well, what do we do now? Because um, we're expecting a couple of inheritances. I said, oh, really? I said, well, quite frankly, you know, this is estate planning, tax planning, and retirement planning that we ought to be doing for them as well. And in both cases, the parents are alive, but also have a boatload of IRA assets. I'm like, you know, all we're doing is propagating a problem from one generation to the next. I said, you know, you may want to be having this discussion, you know, with each of your parents to find out exactly what their assets are. You know, what their income is, what their assets are. Um, particularly, do they have IRAs? I said, well, you know, I don't really know, but I think they do. I said, well, I think it's time to find out if they do because everything that I'm telling you you need to be having this discussion with them. You know, but the problem is, is that they're well into their 80s on both sides. So this now becomes multi-generational planning, which you know, I love doing multi-generational planning. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing financial planning from an estate planning and a distribution planning and a tax planning perspective for up to four generations because now we take Fred and Wilma's parents, which are now four people, okay? How are they going to distribute to their children? And then we got Fred and Wilma, how are they gonna to distribute to their children? And then we've got them, and how are they gonna to distribute to their children? So we're talking about multi-generational planning, and mostly, how are we gonna handle all these thinking IRAs? So as soon as the federal government changed the rules on the distribution of the IRAs needing to be over 10 years, that created a real estate planning, tax planning issue for a lot of people who have accumulated a lot of IRA assets. 
And so, needless to say, uh, you know, when you dive deeper and ask enough questions, it usually will open up new cans of worms. And so I can't stress enough that when you're dealing with a financial planner, you really need to be dealing with someone who has a vast knowledge of financial planning techniques. And of course, I'm gonna sit here and, and say I, I'm proud of the certified financial planners, the CFPs out there, because their training and their education requires them to learn a lot of these techniques. And looking for an inquisitive type of mind to be able to pull all of it together and you know, thinking, you know, be forward thinking. So this is fun. You know, I, I find this to be such a lot of fun, but at the same time too, I also believe wholeheartedly that education and knowledge are powerful. And so I may have been able to provide, uh, you know, whatever client it may be with ideas, strategies, solutions, action items. But again, it goes back to uh, education and knowledge are powerful. Maybe that's why my meetings take so darn long. But I believe that if I teach you why you're going to do a particular strategy or action item or recommendation, you're a whole lot more apt to embrace it than if I were to, you know, you're probably, than if just Mike said so. So I encourage you, if you're ever dealing with a financial planner, to make sure you deal with somebody who's going to be providing you with comprehensive type of financial planning because financial planning covers a litany of different areas. And so these case studies were really designed to provide you know, hypothetical situations that are loosely based on fact, but we throw extra little pieces, parts in here so that it enables us to provide different types of ideas and solutions that apply to a lot of different things. So with that in mind, I'm going to conclude the show. And uh, I hope everybody has learned something, a uh, little nugget here, there, or wherever. And um, again, it's Mike Menninger, uh, certified financial planner of Financial Plan and Explained, and owner and president of Menninger and Associates. Uh, I hope that you learn something today and can apply it to yourself or to someone you may be able to help or guide them. I uh, hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day and I will see you next week.